Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by 12th Street Sound, a recording studio in New Westminster, right near where I live, where my journey as an artist began about two and a half years ago with my first factor-funded recording session there and has continued to include an album, several EPs, and projects with, I'd say, about a dozen artists. And if you want to add yourself to the list of clients that Anthony Santorini works with at 12th Street Sound, doing mixing, videos, live in-session, production for your songs from the earliest stages all the way to completion, you can contact Anthony at 12thstreet.ca slash booking, tell him about your next project for 2022, and get going on your next thing that helps you tell your story as an artist. At affordable rates and with great service, 12th Street Sound is my recommendation for you to get going on your music this year. Go to 12thstreet.ca slash booking, and when you fill out the form, tell Anthony that the RCP, that's the Rhythm Changes podcast, sent you. That's the thing that's going to set you apart from everybody else. Yeah. But I think it's because I always reply. Like, I don't just let stuff hit my inbox and then not reply. Yeah. I appreciate it when you respond, even if you're saying no, because nobody else does that generally. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast coming at you from New Westminster, BC. It's the only weekly interview show about jazz and creative music in Canada. And this is episode 50 of the podcast to new and old listeners alike. Thank you so much for being here. We have a celebration for you today with one of my colleagues from the music industry here in BC. Hope you enjoy our conversation. That's up next. Our guest today is the founder of Fritz Media, a local music publicity and digital marketing firm, and she is the host of the FM podcast, which is sort of a return to her roots in radio, where she worked before she started to work directly in the music business. And since she moved to Vancouver, she's built up her career with jobs at Network Music Group and the Frontside Group en route to founding her own firm in 2009. You can see whom she's worked with and learn more about her services at fritzmedia.ca or at Fritz underscore media on Instagram and Twitter. And you can listen as I do to the FM podcast, explore the back catalog and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. So please welcome to the show on the occasion of episode 50 of the Rhythm Changes podcast, Jen Fritz. Yay! Hello, <laughs> Thanks Will. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be like on the other side and I don't have to worry about interviewing. It's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good. Well, it's mutual. I've really enjoyed your show. I've learned a lot from your show, to be honest, because I got into the podcasting game a couple of months after you dropped your first episode. So it's always been nice to have somebody in my own backyard here doing it as well, who I can learn from, right? First, why did you start this show? Why'd you get into the podcasting game? Well, it was one, yeah, like like you said, I think I was looking for a way to flex my creative muscles in a different way. Um, yeah, I had, I mean, I worked in radio for seven years. That's where my career started. And I think I was just kind of missing it a little bit. And so maybe that combined with just missing connection with people too in the pandemic, you know, we weren't allowed to see people as much. And, and then I was also looking for a way to market my company, Fritz Media. So it just all kind of came together. Like that's kind of where it started. That was the starting idea. And then after doing like a couple of them, I realized that it was more of an education piece 
And so I started thinking about it more in that way because, you know, the musical, being an artist <laughs> these days is very difficult. Uh, there's a lot to navigate. There's a lot of things you have to know as an independent musician, and it can be very, very overwhelming. I, I mean, I have it just even with clients coming to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot they don't know. And as I always say on the podcast, if you know, the internet is available to you. Uh, you can Google and find things out. But I think that because there's so many things to find out and because it is ever changing, what might be true one day is different the next. It's It can seem like a lot. So it's that and it's more like, uh, I mean, I haven't personally sent anybody to, to listen to it, but it's more like say I wanted to learn more about digital advertising or more about social media, I can, you know, at least look through the FM podcast and see there's a couple episodes I could listen to and learn a little bit about it and maybe find out some resources from the the experts that that I'm talking to. And then, you know, you can you can go from there. But yeah, that's I mean, the idea is I want musicians and music industry professionals to empower themselves to learn more about the industry that they work in because knowledge is power. You can get a lot more done in your career the more you know, but it is overwhelming because it is basically a tech industry now at this point. And yeah. it's very, very hard. <laughs> so Yeah, so when you said it was an education piece, that's interesting. You're not strictly talking about the audience who would listen to the show who you want to educate, but you also mean for you, for yourself. It's an educational oh, 100%. thing for you. D dude, I started like thinking about things I wanted to learn and interviewing people on that. Like I've learned a lot doing it and it's been really good that way because you know, sometimes you can feel like stupid because you don't know something. Um, <laughs> so if I'm interviewing you coming at it from an angle of like, I have no idea what this is about. Like I can get them to explain it to me like in the, like explain it to me like I'm five and <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I can get the answer that maybe I wouldn't have gotten Otherwise, yeah, like there, there's so many things I know nothing about in the industry. You know, for example, I mean, I'm not a songwriter, so there's a lot on that end that I don't personally have to deal with in the way that a musician does, right? So yeah. doing episodes on that, I like learned a lot and I was like probably sounded stupid because I had no idea <laughs> what I was, well, not stupid, but just like uninformed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, but yeah, that's right. I can learn too, you're right. That's where it comes across as the most genuine, I think. I think that's something that really appealed to me about the show, too, is it, it comes across when you, as the host, are doing it because you yourself want to learn. And when you have that desire first, I think that really translates to the listener. You know, they can pick up on that. I think that it's curiosity. Uh, yeah. That's, I think that that's truly the key to life. Uh, I've always thought that, and I seek to be around people that are truly curious. Yeah. You know, I was in a band that toured at Canadian folk festivals and I was away from the Vancouver jazz community that I had grown up in for several years until COVID. So for me, starting my show was a way to connect with all these people again and meet them and be curious about what they were doing and kind of re-emerge in this community after a long absence. Yeah, of course. I mean, and it's also important to know, like, uh, especially, you know, just in the world we're living in right now. <laughs> It's okay to be wrong sometimes too. And the person you are yeah. today doesn't mean that's the person you're always going to be, right? So totally. Jen Fritz in her 20s is not the same as Jen Fritz <laughs> in her 40s. But, you know, it's, it just, you, sh you evolve and change and it's just versions of yourself, right? Yeah. 
I have a favorite episode of your show. I'm not <gasps> going to make you pick one. Don't worry. You don't have to. I know how it is. But my favorite episode of your show is episode six of the FM podcast with Mike Devlin. And oh I think gosh. that's a really interesting one where you go through this idea of the life story and the versions of yourself. You talk about the versions of the industry you've worked in together and of your own journeys through it. So that's why I think that one is an episode that stands out to me. Yeah. And we're like old friends, too. Uh, yeah. I've known him since I started working in the industry. So I, I had somebody tell me who told me that. Oh, actually, it was Tyler from Said the Whale it told me that he couldn't even get through that episode because... <laughs> It was just like <laughs> listening to two Gen Xers talk about the old days. And I was like, yeah, but that's basically what it was. So <laughs> yeah, that's why it was great. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Different strokes, right? <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was just like, that's OK. One day you'll be, you know, waxing about your old times, too. I was <laughs> just going to say old. <laughs> you wait for Tyler and Ben on an episode together in 2036. Wait till you hear them. Yeah, waxing about the old days. Well, it's funny too, because I've known Tyler since I, he was 15. So it's like, I've known many versions of that guy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely an episode that I would recommend you start with on Jen's show if you, the listener, are going to go check it out. But there's many other good ones to choose from. It's also so. very long too, so know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. My longest episode was about 90 minutes. That was in kind of my first 10 that's one of the most listened to episodes of my show as well, because it's very different than all the others. That's David Blake, for those of you who would discover it now in my back catalog. But I decided after that one that that was going to be the longest episode I would do on this show. It was it was pretty long. And editing that? Oh, yeah. It's so well, back hard. then, I didn't really know what editing was. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you were just like putting it up. <laughs> yeah, just like exporting it as it is. That's the other thing. I didn't know anything about audio when I started doing this show. So it's been a fun way to back into learning about audio production. Well, I bet you know a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> just enough to be dangerous. Just enough to be dangerous. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny. I My idea was to keep it at like th between 30 and 45 minutes, like just kind of do little bite size. And then, you know, sometimes they're longer, but you're right. Like the longer ones I have, like I just did a really, like the longest one ever with uh, Will, who's right, a singer songwriter yeah. uh, and also a client of Fritz Media. He, that one is like super listened to. He's, he has a huge fan base, but he really like reveals a lot about himself in it. And I think people probably don't hear, you don't hear that that often, right? So yeah yeah i do not like editing those long ones though so <laughs> <laughs> and you do it yourself hey not anymore i that one i did just because i would have had to give too many editorial notes to my editor oh. like it's it was just too i was like i'm just gonna do it myself and i regretted it as soon as i said that because it took me a long time <laughs> but um yeah the first season i edited all myself and then nice. uh second and third i have someone i used to work in radio with carla J, who uh she she does she edits the interview nice nice yeah that's cool i didn't know that you did it all yourself for those first ones good job <laughs> thank you well it was good job but i was such a perfectionist too as someone who hadn't worked in radio for so long that i was perfectionist to the point where like i'm not at that level anymore now i'm just like that's fine put it up like it's just it's never going to be perfect it's like when you're making a song right like you just yeah. at one point have to go it's fine <laughs> like because yeah. you, you can overproduce it in the studio right you yeah you have to step away and just go it's fine <laughs> <laughs>
Exactly. Well, if I'm, you know, I've listened to all of your episodes. I'm pretty sure I've listened to every single one. And I think the main theme or topic that runs through all of them is that you're often speaking to artists, like how to do it right in this game that's always changing and about what is professional. It's definitely very obvious that this industry changes really fast and that there's new stuff to keep up with all the time. But I think there are probably some skills in this industry that never really go out of style and that never will, no matter how much things change. So what do you think are some of these skills that never go out of style in our industry? Um, speaking to it, like just from publicity and digital marketing, social media angle, I would say probably authenticity, which always gets mentioned <laughs> on yeah. the podcast, but also thinking about it, it. I think it has to be a positive mindset. Uh, I think being an artist in 2022 is a lot of work and I understand that, but you do have to understand if you've made the choice to be an artist and actively promote your music, want people to hear it, that it's going to take a lot of work on your end. Even if you hire people and you have a team to do that for you, like if you hire us to do your publicity and your social media, your digital ads, you still have to do work on your end. You don't just hire someone and sit back. The, the thing that you really should always think about doing is not thinking that social media is a chore. If you're an indie artist that wants to get heard, you can't just not do social media. <laughs> like yeah. It's a free way to access people and get them to listen to your music that never existed before. Look at it as a good thing. Like, isn't that amazing? I can be my authentic self and reach people and, and tell them about myself and give them my music or tell them about my music. I think that a lot of time artists feel like and when they're doing their social media, they have to sell. Uh, In terms of like what you actually make and like what your content yeah, actually is. I think you that mean? they think that they have to tell me a hundred times about their song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you have a new song out, I think that's the part they don't like about it, that they feel like they're oversaturating or maybe telling people about themselves. They don't, sh they're shy. They don't like telling people about themselves, you know? Yeah. There's a, a thousand ways to approach it. And if you just use a little bit of your creativity, which you obviously have because you're an artist, <laughs> then maybe you can, you can get there and just be your authentic self. That's the thing that's going to set you apart from everybody else, right? Yeah, so you. it seems like one of these <laughs> skills is like the enthusiasm to to share what you're doing appropriately. It's like when you say authenticity, it's almost like finding the right balance to share what you're doing. That's something that the artist that you've always needed to do, right? No matter how the industry's been. Yeah, and it's also like maybe finding a, a platform that works best for you. You know, you look like, at an artist like Jason Isbell or Donovan Woods, who are so funny, and they're funny, like in a very self-deprecating, hilarious way that you follow them for that. But also they make incredible music. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's parts of yourself that you can show other than the fact that <laughs> you're just a musician. Yeah. It almost feels like you can't rush that. Like you'll find whatever that thing is for you, but you can't really predict when you will get it in your years or in which de even in which decade of your life at the most extreme. I was lucky because I really... I really grew up with that mindset because my mom has been self-employed my whole life working in the interior design world in healthcare. And she was always 
telling me things that I later learned were survival skills for being self-employed, which is you don't know, but you have to be ready for it. And it's a long journey and it's a roller coaster. And that's what I, that's what I grew up hearing from my mom. And I was really thankful for that. My mom has been on my show, uh, Mary oh, Chernoff. So you can go find that if you want <laughs> to you, the listener, if you haven't heard that yet, that was really sweet. Um, but I was really lucky to have grown up with that. And it just seems like you just got to stay in the game until that year comes and until you have that moment where you realize what that thing is. No, it, it's totally true. Yeah. I'm just curious. I bet you have uh, you have seen hundreds of different blogs, even just in Canada, whom you've pitched to and you send stuff to me. I've covered some things that you've sent to me, like you the have. blue and gold and rain city and et cetera, et cetera. So I appreciate hearing from you. You're on the short list of publicists who I am happy to see show up in my inbox. I will say that. Uh, I have no issue saying that because I'm part of a small community and I know it. So I know kind of where my focus lies. You must have the equivalent of what I had with my band, you know, the master, the master contact list, where we had 700 folk venues in Canada on a sheet. And we had all these different columns of information that you would gather about them, right? So you've actually not been submitting to me for years and years because I've only been doing this for two years. You only started doing it relatively recently, probably after we connected around your show. So how much of that can you unpack? This is something that people probably wouldn't know about. When you find me, how do you get to the point from when you first interact with me to when you are sending stuff to me and I end up publishing stuff about it. What does that actually look like? How does that work? Well, we had a, a you did a, a wonderful a tweet thread about Fritz Media, or uh, not Fritz Media, about the FM podcast. Um, right. Telling people to uh, listen to the first season and it was great. And I, I appreciated that so much. And and then I was like, who is this guy? And so I <laughs> I just kind of looked into it and you, and you had a blog and a, and a podcast. So I was like, well, you know, uh, he's in Vancouver. Uh, so I just added you to my Vancouver list. That's basically what happened. I was like, I'll send him any press releases dealing with, you know, uh, BC or Vancouver uh, related stuff. And that's kind of how it happens. I mean, I have a huge master list, obvi- obviously, which is ever changing because blogs come and go. <laughs> And uh, it's also like now such a global industry now. So, I mean, we've had to like extend it past Canada because there's only so many music blogs in Canada that I can pitch to. There's not very many, right? Um, So, yeah, we have a master list that extends all over the world. (laughs) And generally, I'll have had some interaction with that person before I add them. Or if I do add them and I didn't ask them, you know, some people like that, some people do not, uh, <laughs> but they can unsubscribe if they don't like it. That's fine also. <laughs> so yeah. it's a, it's a touchy thing, right? Uh, some yeah. people I don't even like have in our, like, I don't send press releases to, I just direct pitch them because they just, I know that they would react badly to getting a press release. Um, because, you know, like you alluded to blogs, playlist curators, uh, freelance music writers, the amount of people that pitch them or send them press releases is astounding. Okay, so- I want to jump on this. So I'm, I love where I'm at and I'm, I'm going to say this now and touch wood so this doesn't change. Like I don't even get one submission per day. Like I'm not one of those people. I'm not, I'm off the radar 
Like I am not getting tons and tons of pitches every day. And I hear everybody talk about how they are. And I'm like, I don't want to end up like that. You know, <laughs> you better touch wood or you're, it's going to happen to you. And then you'll be like, oh, God, <laughs> I wish I would have said that. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's because I always reply. Like I don't just let stuff hit my inbox and then not reply. I will reply usually within the same day but it's always within like two-ish days or something. And I'll say no if I'm not going to do it. And I think that is a bit of a filter on my end. If you're if you're doing what I'm doing, not what you're doing, Jen, but if, if you're a publisher and you're just letting tons and tons of stuff hit your inbox, it's hard to get out of that once you're there because you're not probably not going to go to each one of them and start saying no to all of them. But if you're not getting all that inbound and you just make sure you say no to, t to what you are getting when you can't do it, then maybe that's, maybe that's why I can... I can stay off the radar. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it when you when you respond, even if you're saying no, because nobody else does that generally. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, I have some people that, you know, I've known for years that obviously will. But just, you know, if I pitch and I don't hear anything, there is a certain person I know that that means no. But there's also a certain person I know that I have to just go back because they're really busy. Uh, yeah. It's a fine line. <laughs> Yeah, I think talking about skills that don't go out of style, if you put me on the spot and I had to say one, I think the one I would say, and this is a big topic for me in like online jazz musician communities that I'm a part of. And when I talk to younger people who are submitting to me for the first time and I'm trying to reply in a way that helps them submit to more people, following yeah. up. I think following up is like the number one industry skill that doesn't go out of style. And I think it's something that if you're an artist coming in, you're not used to doing so much. Like maybe if you had another, if you worked in another business field, you know, you might be more used to it. But following up is essential. Like no shame in, in following up to them in two weeks, following up to them in another two weeks, right? Like do it. It's so true. There's, I mean, it happens to me too. Like I'll, we get a lot of artists that want to work with us and, you know, sometimes those emails will fall by the wayside and I'll be a little behind and like getting back to those people and a follow-up is appreciated there because mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's just like, oh shoot, my inbox is out of hand. I'm very sorry. You know, I do try my best to reply to everybody that, you know, inquires uh, about our services, but it is very difficult sometimes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've got lots more to say about following up. So definitely hit me up on social media if you're interested in talking about following up because I think it's my number one skill. If you're going to focus on one skill and connecting with people in this industry, it's that one, you know? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, there's no cost, really. It's a, yeah. it's a mental cost sort of thing or it's like a subconscious worry, right? But there isn't, there isn't really a cost other than that subconscious worry, which you might be able to overcome and just do it, right? Yeah. Once you do it, it's like that wasn't hard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then you get a thicker skin. Oh, there's another one. That's that's kind of a skill that doesn't go out of style is having a having a thick skin, you know, oh, whether you're an artist or a service provider. That is a very good one. Um, yeah. I mean, when we do our like monthly reports, we provide feedback. If we got any, I have to like delicately say, you know, this doesn't right. mean anything. This is just one person's opinion. Like, that's all. It yeah. doesn't mean your career is over. It's some blogger in Minnesota or wherever who just thought this one thing about your music, right? So it doesn't, yeah. it's no big deal. It's fine, but you do have to develop that thick skin and understand that music is subjective and some people are gonna like it and some people aren't. Um, mm -hmm. And the reasons why they don't like it are going to be varied and weird. One person will say the guitars suck. 
the next person will say, oh man, I love the guitars. Yeah. I've got one more real question for you, Jen. Something that I've been really personally curious about since I heard another one of my favorite episodes on your show, which is episode 31 with Adam Bentley. And you got into some really interesting stuff in that episode, two publicists talking about the landscape of pitching and paid coverage. And we're not talking about like going on SubmitHub and paying for credits and pitching there. We're talking about a specific blog, etc. It sounds like from what I heard you and Adam talking about, writing back to you and saying that there is a cost mm -hmm. for getting accepted. Now, you, yeah. you did talk about this on this episode, so people can listen to how you describe this problem. But what can you share about how you've encountered this in the industry and what's going on here? Because this was new to me when I heard about it. I think that a lot of bloggers are seeing the value in what they do. And I welcome it if it's a low cost. Now, there are some blogs that are charging an exorbitant amount of money, but there are some blogs that are charging, say, $25. That's reasonable. And it makes my job easier because I don't have to pitch them. <laughs> like, I just know I have like guaranteed coverage, right? That's why I like it because it makes my job easier. On the downside of that is there is a lot of people that you can, in experimenting, I'll maybe, oh, I'll give this guy, you know, $10 and see what happens, or I'll give him $20 or whoever it was. And it's just like the worst writing I've experienced in my oh. life. But, but at the same time, you can get that just by pitching someone and not giving them money. So I just, you know, it's very, very hard to find good writing these days, like actual editorial, instead of people that just copy and paste the press release and do a post about it. And that's generally what you'll see. So I look very hard to find good editorial, which is why I liked your blog, because uh -huh. you actually write about it. Yeah, and, I never really use the press release, you know? <laughs> kind of feel yeah, bad. but I like that. Like, that's like good editorial. Like, you're actually saying something about it. It's hard to... Bloggers work hard, I get that. But if you're yeah. putting out something that is not great, you know? <laughs> It's time yeah. to maybe rethink what you're doing. <laughs> well, this seems like a good time to head on over to your fresh content segment where we discuss our favorite piece of music content for the week. And as you know, we always like to start with the guest. So Jen, <laughs> what have you got for us? That was like a weird moment. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm supposed to say that. If you haven't listened to Jen's show, that's exactly what she says to all her guests on every single episode. You go check it out. Um. My first content, I was telling you before we started recording that I, I panicked because I hadn't, my season's done, so I don't have to think about fresh content anymore. So I thought I was in the clear. So I'm going to do a uh, client of mine. Uh, and that's one actually that you covered. And that's Keanu uh, Ianko, who yeah. uh, just released an album called Celestial Desire. It was his music's incredible. Uh, he's an instrumental uh, guitarist, like, you know, ja he's jazz skilled, um, but I think his music, you know, skews in a lot of different ways. But he came to me with this uh, debut album, which is mainly an instrumental record. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but let's give it a go. And it did so well that it blew my mind. And it really inspired me in a way because I didn't know that there was an appetite for that type of music and the way that there, it, that there is. Like it's basically yeah. like instrumental post-rock kind of, 
Do you know what I mean? Like y- you yeah. could put it on any post rock playlist, a lot of this stuff, but it's also very jazz influence and rock. And there's so much going on there and that I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it did so well. It just got reviewed in the Vancouver sun yesterday and I didn't see that coming. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I did a free weekly article with him. He's a nice guy. I talked to him. I interviewed him. So he's on the Vancouver Island, kind of Vancouver Island University. This is a person who, in theory, it's very possible that I should have or could have been aware of him before. But you pitched that one to me and I became aware of him thanks to you. So thanks for doing that with somebody who was actually a really good match for me, you know? No, that was that was actually one I sent you that worked out well. <laughs> there you go. Total jazz. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my fresh content is my former band, Early Spirit. They just put out their second album called The Hollow Tree. They had their release concert at the Rogue Folk Club in Kitsilano. I was there. I made the first album with the band when we started the band back in 2018. I still appear on a couple of the tracks on this album. They have a new bass player who's also a good friend of mine. And I had the best experience possible leaving a band. I didn't know it could go that smoothly. I always say that. I'm Gabriel sing Gabriel Duroy, one of my best friends, he sings in French on one of the tracks, even though it's normally like a singing in English folk rock band. Yeah, it's a it's a great project. I'm really proud of them. Early Spirit, the Hollow Tree is is out now and it's really cool to see that. Cool. I'll check that out. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Jen. This was a blast. May our paths cross in person sometime soon. And thanks again for taking the time to chat with me today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode 50 of the Rhythm Changes podcast. And if you like what we do here, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write and send out on Tuesday mornings, along with Vancouver Jazz gig listings for the community. This week's article available now is about an album by Nathan Turner called Nocturne for the Salty Moon. And you can get future editions of the free weekly article by signing up today right on our homepage, rhythmchanges.ca.